0: What's good everybody, what's good? Welcome back to yet another episode of Off The Strength, where we're giving you the inside look into all things wellness culture. I'm a trainer called Tony, and of course with me, I got some gentlemen of Extraordinary League. Guys, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves, please.
1: Your trainer, Corey, alive and healthy.
0: Back in the house Mm -hmm. on time. Yeah, boy. (laughs) What's going on?
1: K.R.
2: Jones. I mean, if you stay ready, you ain't got get ready. You there know what we I'm go. All
0: right. Young Jones keeping it hot in the street. You seen the pictures, man? He's out there trapping. Man. He thirsting and trapping at the same hey, damn man. time. Listen,
2: it's a hot boy summer. <laughs> I could tell. In case y'all was
1: wondering.
0: Oh, we're going to get into that. Not on this episode, but we're going to try to same understand. No
1: <laughs> Well-dressed with a trimmed up beard is the equivalent of half naked for women. That's yeah, we're doing That's, that's our thirst trap. He's he doing man. it. He's out it. there
0: trapping him. Uh, shout out to the homie Troy. He's out there taking care of the family biz. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from near and far, you are in for a treat today. We got a homie who's been a friend of the squad from day one. He's been out there. I don't know if you've been paying attention in the streets, but if you've seen a set of pull-up bars anywhere, this man gets respect anywhere you see that pull-up bar coming down, okay? Make sure you put some respect on the name. Guys. Let's make some noise in here for the homie Q. Quincy Friends, what's going on, big homie? How you living?
1: Yo, what's yo, happening? Clap <laughs> it, it up,
3: clap it, <laughs> it up. Fresh out the nose <laughs> no. I know. Yo, <laughs> Making a move. Miss me with that. Harlem is still out. Okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Bronx kid, but I'm in Harlem now. All right. We salute. Happen? We salute that. <laughs> Pleasure to be here with you, distinguished gentlemen.
0: Oh, man. Brother, it's been a long time coming. We happy to have you here. Thank you, man. We've been talking about collabing for a long time. I'm just excited that this is finally starting to coalesce.
3: Yeah, it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. All man. these rivers are starting to merge, and I'm telling you, the flood is coming,
1: folks. I can't look at nothing on fitness and not see Q in the background somewhere. Come he on. never up front. He always in the background, like, trying to act like he don't see the camera. It's hey. like Waldo, but, like, shredded. You got to make sure we there. I got to make Wa- sure we there, man. man <laughs> always.
0: It's like, yo, whose shoulders is that? Oh, Q was there? Got be, be shoulder. touched
1: down. That's got to be Q's shoulder. <laughs>
0: Oh man So homie We gonna check in And I wanna get to understand What the origin story is And why you are moving The way you're moving Inside this fitness thing But we'd like to kick this thing Off a little something proper Can we go back a little bit? For sure Alright So Q I got a question That I need to know all right. I'm scared the, now the, the streets is really Inquisitive about Where this man is And how he got to be Where he is So I need to know Where were you When you first fell in love With this thing We call wellness Give me
3: that story brother I was uh, fresh out the Navy. No, no, no. Um. Yeah, I was I was in the Navy. Okay. And I was on a ship in the Arabian Gulf, and I was training with a group of friends of mine, and we were doing calisthenics. This is actually my origin to my love of calisthenics, specifically. Okay. And we had a machinery space. We had a pull-up bar in the machinery space. We was training with a Navy SEAL. And just the routines that he gave us, we're just using our body weight and I saw the results of it and was like, all right, wait a minute. I've been thinking this whole thing wrong. I'm, all I know was Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilding, you know, uh chest day, back day and everything else. And just the routines that he showed us in that moment, uh, gave me a love and, uh, had me in, well, it encouraged me to start researching more, uh, different ways to train and just learning my body more. And that started the bug after that. Left the military, started studying fitness, became a trainer, um, but was determined to be independent the entire time. I never wanted to work for a facility unless I was uh, had a good partnership with the facility. Or there was something about the facility that I was specifically in love with. Mm. And that was it. Just, just being exposed to a different form of training, basically. That's what's up, man.
0: Could you give me a timeline on that? That was 1993. The year was 1993. Yeah. You know what the soundtrack was like? Ooh, it was heavy yeah. boom bap out yes. here.
3: Yes, it was. It was a lot of
0: Trunks was rattling. Mm.
3: OC, OC was my favorite. At the they time. ain't had the vitamins and the minerals to mess with you out there. That's what I'm trying to tell them. Let <laughs> yeah. them know. Organized confusion and yeah, stuff like man. that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> man. That's what's up. All right, so 1993, you was just coming down and getting in love with this calisthenics thing. So, and you talked about a little bit how the whole bodybuilding idea. Kind of shape what your initial onset departure was. I think there's a lot of guys I, I understand like coming around in the same age group and stuff like that. That was the only thing we knew. But when you touch those, that calisthenic side of things, right? There's a whole culture and a whole wave that I want to try to get a better understanding of through you if, if I can. Um, I've always had the utmost respect for the guys that were on the corner hitting the pull ups. Hitting the dips, and we talked about that a little bit before when the homie Flex was on here. Um, You know, just building your body with your body weight and not having a lot of other distractions around you. Talk to me why, talk to me about the power that you got from that and why that was like
3: something that you gravitated a little bit more towards. So I met uh, an old friend of mine, right? We were next door neighbors, and we used to do martial arts, like, you know, on Saturdays when you hit. The karate movie, please. The mm. full-body karate yeah, was yeah. going so down. As soon as the karate movie was over, we go to the park and we start practicing martial arts, right? Fast forward years forward, he started a team, a calisthenic team, which I didn't even know they were teams called Calisthenic Kings. Okay. And um, people that we knew were trying to get us connected and was like, yo, you need to go check him. He needed to come check you. We finally bumped into each other, and he pretty much said, can you do a muscle-up? I said, yeah. He said, you're on a team. And I was like, what team? And he exposed me to the whole Soap culture of this Cal State's world. There's a group called Pull-A-Park Jam who has been around for 20, 20 years now. And I, there was like a, there's a freestyle aspect of this where the guys go up and do the fancy stuff, 360s and handstands and all that stuff. And I do that, but I realized that that was going to be an area where <clears throat> someone that does gymnastics is going to show up and take over. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening. But when it comes to reps and sets... I was like, I, I'm a contender here. So I I went out and seeked an organization that was doing specifically that, and I was that organization, Pull Apart Jam. And I went to the first competition. I went up to the the owner of it, and I told him, I said, I, I've been waiting to participate this for in this for years, and I plan on winning. He looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, yeah, whatever, young buck. And I won. Mm. And he was like, okay. At the end, he gave me my trophies. He was like, this man said he was going to come here and win, and he did. And I came back the year after, one again and one again. And now I'm a a part of that organization. But just watching what they did and realizing that there's an actual subculture, especially the people overseas are gravitating towards. And they're making big money over there doing something that, you know, like everything else, like hip-hop and everything else, that they realize they can capitalize on, whereas we have a bigger struggle to actually monetize what we do. Yeah. And that's the thing that I see
0: in that, you know, it kind of breaks out from that, in some ways, that B boy idiom, and in some ways, you know, the different groups and different parks having that, okay, this is our culture, this is our thing, and this is what we do off the strength, if you will. Nobody's giving you money to do that. You're just showing up every, you know, every afternoon, and you you and your guys are getting these dips and these pull ups out. But then, lo and behold, you start doing a little bit of storytelling. There's some, some architects inside there, and yeah, this is a commodity now. Right. You know, I think I was first introduced to it with the Wingate Park guys. Um, shout out to my homie Brian out there. And the homie Peter was talking about that on the last joint. Um, and then from the Wingate Park set of people, the first people I saw to really break it into the mainstream, um, I would have to say it, it's going into that... Con body had a little bit of it, but um, the bartenders and the, those guys really got the grab in the multi-purpose like, facilities. Like There was actually... I think they had something running in Saks Fifth Avenue for a minute. I think they was in, you know, a couple of high-end clubs doing their version of what, you know, their their expression inside of wellness was. And that was crazy to me. Like, you guys have any opinions on how that was able to break through, you know, this street culture thing just like we see in every other space? Okay, here's something from the streets that... You, don't, you guys don't have equipment. We're going to put these couple bars out here and you got to get fit. And then you take it, you freestyle it, you put your sauce on it. And now, okay, this is a mainstream event. You guys had any brushes with that?
1: Well, one of the beautiful new things about like what's going on in this generation especially is like our people are finally starting to monetize their own stuff. It's been forever that we create a thing, we do a thing, we show you how to do a thing. Somebody might grab one of us and use us for a little consultant or throw a little chip star way so that they can make sure it's as close to authentic as possible, but it's not us doing it. It just started recently being us doing it and us creating our own stuff and us showing up in places like you mentioned. And that in itself is a beautiful thing. Like it's it's good to see that our own little groups and our own little creative Architects have started to get some leverage and started to do some things and get some money for these things that we've been creating For the longest time and it's not just in sports. It's not just in in Entertainment it's in all different aspects. We're starting, starting to get our due, you know You are starting to see us as designers you're starting to see us as CEOs and that thing wasn't happening. It's it's a blessing I, I love to see that
2: I think um, something needs to be said about uh, creating out of necessity In the sense of, if I don't have a gym, then I'm going to make a gym. You know what I mean? If I can't afford to go to that box gym with this crazy membership, but there's a park down the street, and this is my neighborhood, this is where I grew up in, I'm going to create there. And I think the value is in the authenticity of creating in a Place where you love, where there's love, where there's people that can help you grow, where there's someone that can, you know, kind of stroke that that uh, flame that you have or that that you created, because that's literally what it is. It's like a spark that just grew, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's the beauty in it, and that's why you can hopefully monetize it, you know what I mean, and to continue to grow with it.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of growing with it, um, and as it pertains to UQ, I'm I've seen like just going through passively through all of the stuff that I could see. It looks like your love of this calisthenic motion has been able to allow you to travel a little bit, meet new people, and put your name in different spaces. Can you talk to me uh, about how exactly you took that passion and was able to leverage that into some different opportunities?
3: It was, it's actually interesting because
0: I've,
3: I had the opportunity to be a bigger impact than I am now. But I realized that the opportunity that I missed, it was, it was supposed to happen. I had the opportunity to go to Russia. Okay. when this thing really took off, right? And now I realize that it was just them needing us to co-sign what they're doing. Mm. And I, I realize that now because all of the people that were involved with that are no longer involved. Wow. They just shipped them over there, put them in a hotel, pay them, and just take a picture with them so the world can see that the originators of it are giving them the green light for it. Gave them the path. And so now I'm like, I'm glad I wasn't there for that because I'm not doing that. Like they they could literally call it street workout, sure. and I'm like I was aff- I was offended right off the top, and I realized later that it was a marketing ploy. You have to give everything a name. When I try to ship, when I try to shop this to companies, Nike and different companies, they were like, "What do you call it?" And I was like, "It's calisthenics. It's been around for years since Greeks and Romans." Um, they was like, "No, we need something more marketable." So they figured it out. They called it street workout. They originally started calling it ghetto workout. Hmm. True, and I was on. YouTube religiously cursing them out. Who the hell do you think you are calling it that and this and that and fighting losing battle? So they got rid of the ghetto part. They kept the street workout part. Their justification is that it's done in areas where you can just utilize anything that looks like a pull-up bar and so forth. And we're like, we do it in parks that have pull-up bars. Yeah, We do it on the corner because it's available to us. But there's no one doing full training sessions with their trip with their members on the corner. We work out in the parks. They're available to us. You are the ones that don't have it available to you. But you're saying because it's a black person doing it, it's urban in the street. This is something that's been around for many years. We just freaked it. Yeah. Basically. That's you know
1: a, that's exactly what I was talking about when I said they try to put you up front and then they cover that out and that's that's been going on since since the since music, yes, back when you had to fight for your image rights because if you didn't fight for your image rights, you was a gangster rapper, no matter who you were, no matter how you was rapping it's always been that way, and one of the things that We've started to realize is that we got to get into marketing too. We got to understand PR. We got to do those other things so that you can take whatever your idea is, package it and pitch it properly so that it can be absorbed and it can be palatable for the masses or the decision makers. Cause the masses are usually good. It's the decision makers that aren't. And knowing that ahead of time and seeing that and knowing, nah, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to co-sign this. I might get somebody to co-sign, but it ain't going to be me. Sometimes that's what you got to make that stand on, you know?
0: What was it that led you to making that decision to not go
3: i was I was very skeptical of it mm-hmm. from the start um because i didn't because they it was a friend of mine that they invited, and he said that they gave him a certain amount of money and he was handpicking certain people to come come with him, so he reached out to me right off top and I was like, "You know what, let me get back to you and my original decision was to send a friend of mine who had Pretty much what they wanted. They wanted to see what we were doing that they didn't know about. And my friend, he he can do anything. I take him to, to talks with kids at schools and stuff like that. This man will climb up a basketball goal and do 50. Do, he'll do like 10 handstand push-ups on the top of the basketball goal. Mm-hmm. No attempts. Just right off the bat, he'll do that. So I was like, they need to see that. I said, you know what, I'm going to step back because if I go there, I'm going to be more like a politician and walk around and shake people's hands and get to know what they're doing and really figure out what their plan is when they really just want a showman. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give you your showman. So he went over there. He said he had a great time and everything else. But again, later on, I realized that's what they utilized it for. They was like, all right, we're going to get these guys over here, take these pictures. They're here. They say we're doing what we're doing is good. We're going to keep running with it. Yeah. I ask that question
0: specifically because understanding the difference between instant and deferred gratification is something that plagues us a lot in these spaces, especially as creatives and especially as people who are the originators of these things, you know. Um again, you take me in a space where if I'm doing something without any kind of incentive and it's just off of the love, the moment somebody offers you that incentive, you're instantly faced with a hard decision. Right? You have to understand what your true value is what the value that they're proposing to you and then what's the potential that they can make off of that and i don't know if a lot of people are able to make that instantaneous kind of appraisal that you would need to have that so i do see that in your path and i have to say one congratulations because that recognition is a rarity in and of itself you know um and then i would also say that that lends to the conversation that Corey was starting, that you started marketing yourself, and you started to see where you had to change and start to package what it is you do in different ways. Can you talk me through when you made that transition and
3: where that has led you to today? Yeah, I've been mean, in—I in, say—in secrecy. I've been like doing my training thing, right, for many years since uh, about 1998, early 2000. I've been training people independently. Through word of mouth, my first client that I ever had, I literally was like, he was like, Yo, what do you do for, what do you do for your arms? And I wasn't a trainer. Didn't really have the knowledge. I know how to bodybuild. I know how to build that because I have family members that taught me how to do that. But then through him, I became educated. I went and got certified and everything else started taking out. Actually got a lot of mentors around me who taught me a lot. And actually built myself up to being a, a decent trainer but I've been independent and my clients were doctors and lawyers and so forth so they would just suggest other doctors and lawyers so if I'm getting 100 to $200 a session why would I ever just go run to a gym Right. so um, I'm sorry what was the question?
0: <laughs> Just how'd you once you establish that value and that mindset, you was like, all right, I'm gonna turn the short dollar down and I'm gonna make a longer yeah. dollar and that pathway that you started to make the longer dollar and building that out, like give me a little bit more in that story as to So how this how came about.
3: This is pretty much the um my relationship to pushing weight and to push the world toward that we do. Yeah. <clears throat> that developed purely on the fact of the relationship we had with another organization. And that organization, I've worked with them, helped do events and so forth. And I knew I wasn't getting my value, my mom, like you know, from them. But I was quite confident in the fact that I was going to show them my worth. And I was waste, and I-, I wound up wasting my time. So they were planning a huge event. They brought me in. I always bring Pushing Weight, who's my apparel brand um, uh, sponsor, and I always bring them with me because they've always looked out for me. So I was the only right that I look out for them. So. We both came on board. He gave us the plan. I gave them my ideas and everything else, but I held back, always hold back. I gave them some, but I was like, all right, but if we want to get the rest of the information, we got to talk partnership and everything else. So they blew me off. So I said, okay, I'm pulling pushing weight. Me and them sat down, and we said, you know what? We need to stop putting our hand out and looking for handouts and start building our own. Mm -hmm. And that was the day we decided that we don't need anybody else, and we've been— planning everything ourselves. We uh, uh, built a good relationship with NYU and a couple other colleges. We've been in those colleges. The tours that we've been doing, we're planning on hitting uh, at least one more country this year. We're planning to try to go to Brazil in November. And then we got DR, we got Chicago, we got Miami coming up, we got the Bronx coming up. But it was built on the fact that we had to realize that we need to stop thinking that these people are going to give us what we're worth we need to start building it ourselves and running with it. We, if it fails, it failed, it failed because of us. We can't rely on anybody else to give us anything. Mm. Basically. How strong is that? Yeah. And like, this is a black owned company. So it's only right moving stuff. So, yeah. That's
0: stronger than any set that you could ever finish in Hell the park. absolutely. Man. You know, I see I got to look at this man's shirt and I got to hear it in my mind. I see the stone that the builder refused. Will always be the head cornerstone over here. You guys hearing this story, what, what's your reaction to this, man? Because I, I see a lot of what we going through inside of that space. What's, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I think um, a lot needs to be said about that internal feeling, that third eye feeling, whatever it is you want to call it. But having the no or the wherewithal to realize, like, this ain't for me, right? And I'm the type of person where as though I move if it's not... Uh, hell yes it's a fuck no you know what I mean if it's not definite then I don't want it I don't really have time for in between and I feel like that type of mindset is what's allowed me to move forward a lot easier because you're not wasting time trying to figure it out and when I hear your story and I hear you you know essentially showing some of your cars but I all love them with these bigger companies and these bigger brands like yeah, they're, they're never going to pay us what we're worth you know what I mean and that's just a fact so it is a matter of creating and shit i'm inspired just just hearing it you know what i mean i feel like i got hit a barbell today come on now you know what i'm saying
1: i feel like he dropped two two heavy gems on us number one and tone kind of wrapped it up is patience is a virtue like you got to understand like that that immediate gratification that couple extra dollars whenever someone offers you money for a thing that you do especially if you are the architect you are the creator think about what they're offering you versus what they're going to get Cause your value isn't it when they're handing you, your value is what people are getting from it. And that second thing I'd say is that you have to take the mentality that I would rather fail for myself than win for you.
2: Mm.
1: And that's some real shit. Facts.
0: Putting all the big chips on your corner, man. Always bet on them. Let them know what is going down. So now I see the rewards and I know the rewards that you get from taking that power into your own hands. I also see you do have a lot of things that are directly impactful to the communities that you're mentioning going through and traveling around and seeing, you know, giving people inspiration and giving people that aspirational component in communities that often go overlooked. Talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about what you get from that. Talk to me about some of the transformations you've seen in that process.
3: Yeah, well, that all started with um, like um, in the Bronx, the park where I work out in the Bronx and me starting a, a little group called the Brotherhood. And it started because um, I didn't like the gym aspect. Like, you walk into a gym, everybody's working out, stand they're in their little corner, they're in their own mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the aggression and a whole lot of testosterone and so forth. I didn't want to see that in the park because my introduction to the park was always welcoming. You know, the OGs will be there on the side. You know, you, you have that mutual respect, but everybody greeted each other, you know, at least. So the moment that I saw it, at this new park that they opened up, I had to shut it down. Mm. So I would walk over to that one person that would be in office and over to the side and greet him. Just, hey, what's going on, brother? How you been? All right, good seeing you. And keep him moving. But every time I see him, I greet him. So now, I met him. If somebody else comes over and wants to meet me, I have to introduce him. And that just builds. So now when you come to the park, you have to save stuff to him. And then it just keeps growing. It keeps growing. quick, keeps, keeps growing. And it was a simple thing to me. But then I would sit back and watch it happen. Like when somebody walked in the park, they would greet everybody in the park. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. And at that moment, one of the little young guns, the young guys that come up, he was like, yo, I want to start a team. I want to be part of this bar culture. I want to be like bartenders and everybody else. We need to start a team. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. I've been part of that, and I saw the outcome of that. I don't want that to happen again and it was stressful for me, and I don't want that. I, want, I, want, I like everything to be welcoming. I don't want any more stress in my life. So they talked to my boy, my right-hand man, Mike, and they was like, Mike, we need Q to do this, and we know he ain't gonna do it unless somebody, an elder person comes to him with it. So Mike came to me, he was like, yo, now nah, these young boys are serious. I think they're dead serious about it, like, let's do this. I was like, all right, only if you do it with me. Hmm. So he came on as my partner, and we built up the team, and through that team, I taught them. I was like, look, I've been traveling around all these different parks, meeting these people. You have to do that too. Don't sit in your own little world and be like, I'm king of this. Yeah. I'm better than everybody. No, you're not. Prove it. So we traveled to other parks. This was unheard of back then for. Other little groups because is literally a subculture. Like dudes in Brooklyn don't mess with dudes in Harlem. And, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, "Yo, why?" <laughs> so I used to do it. it was me and my son when he was little. Right. He was like seven years old, younger than that. He used to go to every single park, meet everybody, work out. Who had the best sets? Oh, we gonna find out right now. And then built that relationship up. So when I built my team, I was like, "Yo, well, y'all got to travel with me." And we did all that traveling. But this is building a community and like a, a oneness. Like Yo, we, all that talk, all that social media stuff. Leave that to the people that care about that. Yeah, I'm trying to build real connections with people. So through that, through um, um, the little community boot camps that I would do, with the, which was free, right? Because I have a network of trainers, of friends of mine, great friends of mine, yoga instructors, Pilates instructors, you name it. And I was like, "Yo, just give me an hour of your time, give me 30 minutes of your time. I just want these people to realize that they can train better, and they would. They would just volunteer their time." And every t- everything that I taught, depending on the day, would be free. So 7 o'clock when I show up, I greet everybody. By about 7.30, I was like, all right, who wants to work out? And I have 20, 30 people out there go through a training session, talk to them about diet and nutrition afterwards, and keep that moving. <clears throat> I actually have friends of mine who help write uh, uh, the training programs for different gyms, come and literally teach us, teach some of the people that were there how to, past the NASM. Mm. And we got five trainers out of that. And this was all just because I wanted to show these kids something different. You know, and and that's how we, that's why we move with the tour. When we go to DR, we connect with an organization that's out there that's doing the same thing. This guy has five K's and 10K runs with the community in a hood. If we're talking about SAW, yeah. we're not talking about the the big resort areas. We're talking yeah. about SASO. And he has it has to be hundreds of people. They come out to these runs, so we connected with him, and we go out there. My Spanish is (laughs) so-so, but movement is universal. Exactly. They knew what we were doing once we got those exercises in, and and that's what we do. In Miami, same thing. That's relationships with friends of mine that are known in the fitness industry and through the bar culture. We don't go to places just to take over. We can, but we don't. We want to keep this thing a community, so we go there, connect with them. If they have an event, we connect with that event, or we create an event collaboratively yeah so and that and then the only one that's ours is the one in the bronx that's my home base man it, it's just i'm in
0: awe from all of what i hear as you go through that but there are some breadcrumbs in that story that you started off with very early you know you talked uh in a intro to this conversation you talked about your love of and affinity of the uh the old school kung fu flicks right and you never used to watch one of those uh movies where the instructor would teach you off the bat you know, there was always some trial and error, some tribulation, and I could see that that was adapted. I don't know if it was something that was on your mind, but when them little kids was running up to you and asking you to, you know, come yeah. on, show me the ways, yeah. master. He's like, nah, chill. Yeah. You come back when you're ready. <laughs> like no, swatting definitely. them off, doing all the rest of that stuff. So I already see that was a part of the ether very early on. And then to see the transformation and how you're able to really diffuse tension is what i'm identifying that as because there's a, there's always going to be that machismo and that air of aggravation and whatever's going on internally inside of all these gym spaces where you see the person that's the lone wolf off in the corner we are better off as a community when we're connected and when we can break those tensions down and movement i think is a fantastic way to do exactly what you said to you know skip over any language barriers that we might have, skip over any, you know, I'm from this side of the country. You can't come over here on that side. Like we're all doing the same thing. Like we have to point out the fact that these things are foolish, you know, and if you do it with a smile on your hands, I think it gets received a lot better. What do you guys see in that story?
1: Jumping into what you were talking about, about what Tony was talking into. And then what you were saying about seeing that, that attitude and that, that, feeling of toxicity about people not embracing each other and trying to be alone many people decide okay well I'm not feeling that so I'm gonna just move and that's not the way to confront those types of situations and you found the way alright well if y'all are gonna be this way I'm gonna just supersede that I'm just going to overcome that. I'm going to come in and I'm going to make you talk, but you're going to talk to me like I got clout. I'm here. I'm not going to come at you aggressively and you have no choice but to get in and then other people will see you. And a lot of times that that toxicity and that culture comes from essentially from just a lack of self-confidence. And if I'm by myself, no one's judging me because I'm over here in my corner, so no one can see me in my corner, so they leave me alone. And it's hard to embrace other people and to be a part of a group because being a part of a group means somebody's going to see you. So to take someone who's afraid of being seen, who wants to be in the corner and wants to separate themselves and go out and bring that person in, not just for you, but for everyone else and make everyone share that person. That is a gift. That's a blessing. And that's the way to overcome a lot of the problems that we have in our society. And that's a really small snapshot of the bigger picture of how we have to be as leaders in our culture. And we're leaders in fitness. We're leaders in a lot of other things, depending on where we step to. And the idea that instead of trying to alienate a problem, you have to embrace it and then overcome it. That's that's the told you it's gonna be a lot of messages today. That's gem number two for me.
2: Message. <laughs> Definitely a message. I think uh throughout the podcast a lot we talk about that barrier of entry right. to a lot of different areas. And when you speak of going to different neighborhoods I wanted the people to know, like, that is not something that's easy in any part of the world. You know what I mean? To go somewhere where you don't know anybody and show up with love and hope you receive it back. You know, like, that's really a real thing. And back then, that barrier of entry was a lot higher than it is now. So, to your point of what you're saying, to, to be able to connect and, and resonate with people and actually build a community, like, that is the real gift. You know, like, to be able to, come somewhere and not know somebody and then leave with a friendship or a brotherhood or that community aspect like I mentioned like that's that's the real gift there so you have to build that's the only way that's, that's how we build here at Off the Strength so well, bond via sweat correct and me if I'm wrong you most know? definitely
1: especially when you look at the fact that this was not Very recent this is back in the day when these neighborhoods were these neighborhoods like now the difference between harlem and brooklyn Like we talked about was like who's your gentrifier like what type of white lady? Do you have in your neighborhood like brooklyn got the white lady that doesn't like other white ladies? And like is the woke white lady like harlem has the ones who like teach african dance and it wasn't like that Early in the day, like back in the day, it was like my hood is different than your hood because we right. different here. Yep. So you walk in. I know you're not from here. What you're doing here is the first response. So anybody, I'm going to be knocking out some pull ups. You want to get in on this? Yeah. on my, my On my bar? You know so trying to do that in those neighborhood like it's different like a lot of you who are new to New York don't get that that New York isn't this New York it's a very different thing so to do that with those people you'll see because the old heads in the park every park in every neighborhood got old heads in the park playing chess but them old heads don't go to the other neighborhood and play in the other park they play in that park in that spot with those dudes right. and carrying that over is that's a that's a big thing like Kyle mentioned that's a huge step
0: yeah, man. There was a lot the, the tension existed from the similarity. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was always like Brooklyn bias is strong on this show, as <laughs> I'm sure it comes across, right? But the affinity for Harlem has always been there. You know, it's kinda like that that brother type relationship where okay, you guys have so much of a rich history, rich culture and all the rest of that stuff that is, at least in my eyes, what I identify as New York blackness. You know, to see that and Brooklyn also have a stamp where he's like, oh, no, we also are this, right? But if you really peel back a couple of those layers... You'll see a lot of the similarities, and it's because these small, like, little, minute changes is what causes that friction, right? It's because, oh, okay, I can see this guy on the train, and, you know, I know he's from uptown. Look at the way he's wearing his hat, you know? Yeah, you're like, on
1: the floor, but you ain't on my part of the yeah, floor. Yeah,
0: exactly. It was like, <laughs> I see where you at. You know, it, it's it was all dumb, but at the same point in time, it was a literal thing uh, to overstep that boundary and be like, okay, you're just going to come into a different park that you don't know, and you're going to put them to— the gardening gloves on real quick and you're just gonna start touching the different people's bars they're gonna yeah. look at you like oh okay yeah. you better make sure that you address yeah. these people inside here or you know it might be liability trying to get about that situation yeah. you know yeah. so to break that and to diffuse that and to be you know a person who is again put respect on his name anywhere you see a pull up bar that's a different type of dude that's, that's, that's you know but it,
3: it starts with um, well it started with me with like I played basketball all my life yeah and it's like going to the cage but that's for exactly is is way is the way to, it's a way to it's, there's a way to come on the court. You know? They're playing already, who got next, you know. That's so I always had that who got next mentality when I go to other parks. Right. So with me in the park, it was who got last who's last on a pull-up bar. Because you know, if it's ten people there, usually they'll be moving in the cipher. So they're doing right. sets of tens or whatever. And that was my thing. If they were doing sets of tens, I was like, I'm gonna do sets of twenties. And they going to watch him be like he ain't going to do five sets of 20. Then when you get five sets of 20, they look like okay, you get my respect. Ah, he yeah. moving different. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I would I would do that whole basketball earn your respect thing in the park when okay. I went out there. Yeah, I was like all right, who got next? All right, I'm I'm after him. I right, bet that's exactly. like, so
1: you earn the next one, you'll shoot around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, like, you left yeah, some change up here. Right, you right, get the right, right. You, gotta, right. you got to play the fence for a little while.
3: <laughs> so it becomes, yeah. it becomes just, it, it's still quiet, everybody moving, and then you might just be like, yo, what you listening to, boss? Oh, yeah, that album is hot. Yeah. You know, little brief conversations, and then they, they really watching to see how strong you are. hmm And if you real strong, they making a phone call, be like, yo, you got to come check this kid out. Yo, he out, out trying here. Trying to destroy the bar. <laughs> Bring the squad over. Right. And that's what it was, but I loved it. You know, I loved it
1: so take man. notes if you listening, because this applies to a lot of other circumstances. This applies to a lot of other experiences.
3: Yeah, man.
0: Well, definitely in the movement side. You know, anywhere inside the gym, that's the best way to like break into that culture. Wherever you touch down, I like to. I go to a bunch of different gyms all over the place, and one of the things that you'll see, you know, it's a fantastic experiment in the human condition, right? You'll see group group dynamics start to play out, kind of like how you were talking about. You'll see individual expressions start to play out. People are fascinating things to observe when they they think they're on their own, and <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> when they think yeah, they're moving in different yeah, spaces, yeah. right? But I'm always in awe of the way that those dynamics don't really change no matter what location that you touch down in. So you talked about going to Brazil, going to Russia, like you go to I, I've been you to still Germany. Going to DR? Yeah, every February. Dr. Dr. Be careful down there, man. Yeah, no, same it's way, been looking a little crazy. Yeah. I yeah.
3: i don't think I'm drinking. When I'm, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, time, was, I was like, take time. it easy. Take don't it, it or easy.
0: Neither. Bring your own. Treat it like Mexico. <laughs> Bring your own. Uh, no, yes. <laughs> do, do everything. Take, take heed on that one. But looking into different countries and seeing, like, okay, I'm thinking, all right, I don't know what a German gym is going to look like. You know, I'm going to go over here. Oh, okay. they get They get busy just like we get busy. Okay. And the people who are really about it understand that, okay, you're really about it too. All right. I could walk over here and I could talk to you after you go through that, you know, same was in Central and South America. Like I've seen very similar kind of things initially, you know, the culture might not be as, as acceptant. So they see you get up in the morning and you're working out on the beach or something like that, or you're running and people get alarmed. Was, what what's going on? Why is this dude running? But then you Who see you the other, from? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you see the other weirdo that's running in another direction. He's like, oh, all right, just uh, wanted yeah. me over there.
1: First <laughs> day is up? just Tony and a stray dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh no, <nah>, they real. <laughs> like you go to some of these third world spots. Yeah. the dogs is chasing you. you no, know, I know. It yeah, will. <laughs> I know. I met a Hats. few
1: dogs in Mexico. I was like, hey, hey, oh, 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 oh you that dog? Okay, yeah, it gets right, real. Cool, cool. You look a little shaggy. I'm gonna go this way.
0: He's like, this is a meal right here i'm gonna keep up with you
1: <laughs> hey tone this his story where he's telling about those parts at least for me it reminds me of the of the boardroom experience i'm sure yours was similar to mine you tech i'm operations but it's still kind of the same thing mm-hmm. you walk into that boardroom and everyone goes uh-huh why are you here and you have to prove why you're here you have to prove it a couple times and you prove it quietly you drop your knowledge you sit back you drop your knowledge you sit back and after a while people are like hey man hey can I, can I rock in the next spot you going to? Can I see what's going on? It's that same type of experience. Like, people don't expect you to belong. You can't just belong. You gotta show them what's up. You can't just expect her to be here, because no one expects you to be here. But once you earn your spot, we in, and then you can start making changes, and then you can start changing culture. And I always say, like, you gotta change from the inside. You gotta get in that fucking room. You gotta get in that park. You gotta get in that spot. You gotta get inside. And once you're inside, you can prove your worth, and then you can tell people how to change things.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I've taken a long, strange trip through this whole space, and I can't tell you that I was welcomed with open arms in every single spot that I touched down to. Um, even but, with the red frames? Yeah, man, even with the red frames, you know, it was a little too much sauce on the situation. People wasn't ready for it. Um, but I can say that my North Star was always in the fact that I'm going to put that work in, and I'm going to be dogged about this pursuit. You could tell me no, and I'm be like, all right, that's you want to know. And just like Q was saying— Okay. That's you saying no for what you're doing. All right. What is it going to look like if I just say, you know what? I ain't even trying to play your game no more. I'm going to go. I'm going to make this thing happen on my own. And when I come back, make sure you understand that you had the opportunity over here. And now you, I say of recent history, these things are starting to make more sense to other people. Like I, I don't feel like I had to prove a damn thing to myself, right? I've been saying the same thing for the longest time and I knew where this was going to go. And now other people are starting to recognize that. Like, I'm sure, Q, the people who initially made that thing in Russia happen with the ghetto workout, quote-unquote. They see what you're doing now. And now that, that negotiation would probably look a little bit different if they had to come back around to it.
3: Right, yeah. But you know what? It, now it's, it's to the point where they're doing something completely different than what I'm doing. Right. But they're still trying to double back. Exactly. You know? And then still watching what we're doing. I was like, how can we do something similar to that. Yeah. But they're not going to get the same kind of energy. Because they and can't they be will. you at right. the end of the day. Right. And so, they I've met them again. Right. Right? But I mean, well, initially, right? Because again, it was just a conversation. Mm-hmm. I wasn't involved and I didn't make it to the trip but I didn't meet these people in Miami, matter of fact. And right. of course, they say, yo, we got to do something together. And I'm like, um, we're standing in front of each other right now. Yeah. Let's have this conversation. I was like, you're clearly not serious about this. So, Continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So that, that, like you said, that conversation I had, that was exactly the email that I sent to the organization where me and Post and Wade, uh, backed out of. That, that, what you just said, that when I told them that, um, the only way we'll have this conversation again is with lawyers in a meeting, mm-hmm. in the boardroom, and signing contracts. NDAs is yeah. coming in. It ain't no phone calls anymore. Yo, Q, can you do this? No. Exactly. Because you, you didn't want that. From exactly. the start, you know, you want you wanted me to do everything for free from the start. Now that I'm telling you that, you no, know, I know my worth now. It's a different conversation. Dot your
0: eyes across your t's when you see this man. He's getting paid in perpetuity for these ideas <laughs> next time.
1: An entrepreneur's best partner is a lawyer. Yes. Always. Mm-hmm. And make sure if you try to link up with somebody, listen to what we've what he's been saying the whole time is you have to see if this person is here for some of this culture or conquest. And the best way to barrier yourself, the best way to protect yourself from conquest is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. NDAs will save you from a lot of bullshit later.
0: And if you don't know, ask. Because a lot of people walk in assuming that they know everything. And that is the worst possible thing that you can do in any type of negotiation tactic. You know, you think that you know every single thing. You're setting yourself up for a little bit of a blindside
1: situation so of course make we sure you stay need, we need it. some resources hollow we got resources
2: mm-hmm. Um I guess I'd harken back to the basketball portion of this conversation always hearken. you He's know hearkening. 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 Um, I think about streetball and the culture and all the different courts that I've played and the mentality that I've taken and I think about when we had Ricky and we're talking about Bobito and the the documentary he had about streetball and he literally went around the world playing pickup basketball and made a documentary about it, you know. And I think what we talked about even earlier is being authentic and showing up and continuing to be you in that moment. I think that's that's literally what it is. is You don't have to be great all the time, but you got to be great one time and that one time is when you need to show up. You know, when, when that stage is presented, that's when you need to be great. It's about preparing yourself for that. And I think that's when everyone is really going to get that opportunity to shine. And that's when I feel like if you love it enough, you know, that money will come. And that's when you need the lawyers. That's when you need the NDAs. And that's, that's how that, that shit moves essentially. But it's, it's really about being authentic. I think about the part where you talked about having the introduction. And I think that that's something that's very lost in this world today is people aren't Introduced to one another It's like I see you on social media Oh now we're friends now It's like no I don't know you from a canopy I don't even know if you can do A handshake properly You know that's a real thing get a handstand Can you do a handshake We need to talk about that Can you dap me up The right way or no Because if you can't I don't want to do business with you. You know what I'm saying? But like, that's, that's a real thing of being introduced to somebody the right way and being able to build with that person because especially kids in my generation that are younger than that. They don't have that. They don't have personable skills. They don't know how to converse. They don't know how to talk to people, especially people of their elders that can do or have a skill that they might want, you know? So being open and welcome to younger kids too. I mean, maybe not at first, but hearing them out is still a skill in itself. So I think that's another gem that just needed to be highlighted. Message.
0: <laughs> right. Coming across, man. Yo, Q, I understand, and I'm getting a little bit more as to how you're able to make those connections in the park, but I also see that you was able to transition that, which, again, a rarity that I don't see a lot of people able to do, and be just as authentic in the digital space. Can you talk to me about how, coming from the era that I understand and I identify very well, okay, you're a connector in the true sense Like I'm going to come into your neighborhood, I'm going to do all the rest of this stuff. Okay, not a lot of those people, those types of people, can live and thrive on the digital space. Can you tell me how that
3: story happened and where that came about? It was pretty much organic, um, just through the bar culture. Okay. Because once we put out anything, people gravitate towards it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, nine times out of ten, if I put a a video of me doing ten pull-ups, it'll get more views than me talking about the most healthiest thing you can eat you know um and it's it's weird like anything related to the bar culture usually gets a lot of attention hmm. so i utilize that and um i don't think i use lot li- i utilize it to its you know to its full capacity but i'm still working on it and um having a 19 year old son helps because right. he'll like tell me like dad you should do such and such Or he's my social media person. Okay. I do events. He will will be on my live and stuff like that. So I learned through him because he'll be like, watch, I'm gonna put up this video. I'm gonna put up a picture of me just in a hoodie with my face head watching it 100 likes in the next five minutes. (laughs) And I was like, I get it. Okay, certain times a day. So I had to learn. Yeah. Because I am an old head in this game. Okay. So so the whole digital space thing was new to me. Right. But I, I still understood it. I just didn't like it. And still to this day, I'm apprehensive about putting out certain content and stuff like that when that can actually benefit me. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just – I'm still in the learning process, man. As much as you've given me credit for it, I really don't think I have it because I'm like I'm still
1: learning it. Yeah. See, but Shout I, out to old heads, baby. I'm yeah. right. I got to call Jones. i be like, hey, man, how do
3: I do this? <laughs> yeah.
0: I want to push back against that a little bit, right? Because, again, you might be – as you put it, an older head inside that space, but you are receptive to new avenues of exploration, right? And not a lot of people can, like we talked about at the preface of this conversation, be a master in their domain and still be willing to learn, right? And that is, uh, at least for me, one of the boxes that I check on the road to success, right? Because you're still evolving that process. Um And again... Going into specifics on that, like you do these challenges. Right. And I, I've seen the challenges perform, and I've seen how they go through where I was in my house trying to take my damn shoe off and one foot and start to hold my balance for a little bit. And it was looking rocky. If I had a good video, I'd have put that video up there, you know. But that interaction where, OK, this is not just a one way conversation. This has to work in two ways. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, here's my call, here's the response, right? We go right back to, again, the elements of this culture. You know, I'm going to yell this out. I know you're going to yell that back at me, right? you on point, you know, all the time. Whatever the case is, these are base tenets in what we've done. And if you go really far back, this is how the art of storytelling started. You know, we ain't had nothing but a drum, and we would repeat these things going back through. So when I see it in a modern context, I want to make sure to stop and appreciate that as it goes through, Right. And to hear that that idea in those spaces come from your son is a really special point as well, right? Because I heard in the beginning of the story that you were taking him around the parks and you were showing him the rope, so to speak. Can you talk to me a little bit about how, one, that relationship was impacted by taking him around and showing you these things? And then maybe even a little bit more of him now changing those reins and showing you some of these things. Talk to me a
3: little bit about that dynamic. It all started just because um, we were always in the park. We would always do outdoor things. I didn't want him to be sitting in the house playing video games all the time. And like I said, my first love is basketball, so... I was blocking all his shots at five years old. <laughs> As I you ain't should. Lie, let him know. He gets no <laughs> wins. He got no wins. He, he's beat me once his whole entire life. That's all he needed. He's though. ready for college ball right now, but he's only beat me once. That's <laughs> Right. But um, yeah, we. Used to, I just take him around and it just started off with just us doing things. Yeah. You'd go down to Jacob Javits, go to the car show, stuff like that. But I still wanted to get my fitness in. So we would work out together. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to these parts. Never once did I think I was ever threatened because I wouldn't have bought him, you know, but that's the mentality that the world saw of this bar culture, especially Brooklyn. Good Lord, beast mode. <laughs> they were like, we're not going to this part. This dude is scary as hell. But the, <laughs> my first interaction with those guys was at an event and, um, somebody did a trick and a coin fell out of their pocket and my son, and the leader of Beast Mode, who's probably one of the most int- intimidated figures in the ball culture, stood and looked at the coin. And both they, I watched them both look at the coin, and then he jumped at it, like leaped at it, real animated, and jumped at it and took it and put it in his pocket. And I was like, "This is the dude that everybody's so scared of." Him. I was yeah. like, "He a real guy, you know?" Yeah. He, so I was like, "Okay, I got to rethink this whole thing." So I, I reached out to him and say, like, "Yo, I'm gonna come to your park." So. He was, I, and he wasn't there. He moved away, but I ran into a couple other guys, and they were like, "Yo, you came by yourself?" I was like, "Yeah, man, it's still Earth, right?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I ain't scared of nothing on Earth, right? <laughs> so he was like, oh, "Okay, you all right?" So I kept doing that, and um, I realized my son started. Um, uh, he started appreciating pr- appreciating the culture. He even had fans. Like he he was a big fan of one guy in particular, so I took him out there to meet him. And he was like, all right, this is cool. And I realized it meant a lot to him. And, you know, he had a, a moment to talk to him and everything else. So I started to, like, reach out to um, – I started to go to, like, NBA events where you could meet the players. So now he can meet his basketball heroes. things. Think, I was like, all right, and he, this is, is going to impact his life more than I thought. But it all started with pull-ups, literally. Yeah. Like, I started realizing how much him meeting a hero – would impact his life. Because then when he went back to school, he started working out a lot more and everything else. And he would start trying different things. It just opened up his mind to just being brave and trying things. I was like, okay. So um we just kept doing that. We just kept going to different parts, different uh, locations, just trying to do everything we could together. And then that whole process, having real man-to-man talks, you know, on the travels that we go back and forth, we just sit there and just talk about the day, talk about different instances that we saw. We might've seen a fight, how do you feel about that? You know, mm-hmm. different things like that. At a very young age, to this day, still the same thing. He doesn't come to me to 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 most of the parks anymore. Mm-hmm. In some of the events, he comes to some of the events, but we still have it. It it helped me a lot. It Helped our relationship, you know, as father and son. Just to be around other men, uh, other fathers, and seeing them interact with their children, and just coming back home with that whole events of the day. How did he feel about this? It made our conversation better because I didn't really have that relationship with my father. So I didn't know how to go about it. And it just happened to work out that just being a part of this culture, this culture has been therapy for me yeah, because I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. very much so. And this is breaking me out of my shell. yeah, And I don't think anything else in life, I thought basketball would be that thing. But this more than anything else broke me out of the shell. I wouldn't be caught dead standing in front of hundreds of people cheering and, and just encouraging people to do more and all this stuff, I, wouldn't, I would not have never pictured myself doing any of this if it wasn't for the day that I decided to do a bunch of pull-ups, more than everybody else, mm. at a given moment. So I, I give a lot back to this culture just for as being my, my therapy. And I actually started a mini documentary just of people in my park one time and the stories that I got from these people. Like there was a guy that I used to see out in the park at 5 o'clock in the morning And he told me a year later that he came out there because he lost his mother. He had to move in with his grandmother. And he had like five or six other adults in that household. And he just felt unsafe there. And he would come to the park until they went to work. So he would just come there and work out until he was able to get back to work. And he said sometimes he would come and do a couple pull-ups, go off to the side and cry and come back. And I'm getting this footage. I'm looking like this is bigger than just people working out in the park the stories that i got from this just meeting talking to those people was amazing to me and i was like this 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 whole subculture is changing people's lives it's giving them a form of therapy connecting people in a real way
0: powerful man Word. seriously powerful you know the the precious aspect of that type of communication is something that I'm excited to see start to come to the forefront a little bit more each time we come back around here. You know, um, and I'm again, I, I, I'm beaming with excitement because a lot of these same sentiments and things that jump around inside of my head. And these are a lot of the conversations that we kick around. So I automatically knew as soon as you met, uh, up with us the first time, first couple passings and all the rest of that stuff is like, all right there's something real about this guy that i really try to get an understanding of and i want to appreciate a little bit more but i couldn't quite put my finger on it and now just hearing that as we start to excavate uh uncover a little bit more is really just making this whole situation come full circle for me you know um and i again in awe cute in in real awe in real time you know um i want to go back to another thing that i saw inside there and it kind of ties into the the generational component that comes across in this space. You know, I see you doing some work with kids inside of the, some of these different events, you know, and just like the example that you just talked about how you and your son were able to have this like positive male role model influence come through and you know the the way it shaped and molded your outcomes and his outcomes and how you guys have this strong stronger bond by that merit of again this sweat kind of bond. You know, tell me some of the stories or what it is you saw. When you started doing that for other kids in, in this space, you know, some kids that might not have that positive male role model in their life and don't understand how to
3: appraise all of these things the same way. you take me through that? Yeah. Well, it's, for the most part, it was just been, it's been um, just them asking me general questions. It all started off with fitness. Like the guy, the kids in the park, they will come, um, they were all, most of them were about to end high school. So they pretty much didn't know where to go. But they knew they loved fitness. Mm-hmm. So that's why I brought my friend of mine in um, to teach them how to become trainers, basically. And he did this from the, from the bottom of his heart. He didn't ask for any money, anything. And he just showed up, started teaching them the NASM. Uh, he even gave them a brief introduction into uh, massage therapy. He wow. brought the table out and just started telling them about bodies and muscles and fascia and different things like that. And um, I was, just sat back and watched to see who would absorb a lot of it. It's funny that the ones that are successful now are the ones that didn't come to class. Really? Because we literally had class. We, we, had, we showed up at 7 o'clock every day for two weeks, and it was from 7 to 8. And then at, at 8 o'clock, it would just become something else. It would just be either um, we would pick a section of the book and then try some of the stuff in the book or just teach them how to do just a basic group class, something like that. And the one, like I said, the ones that are successful now, the ones that were like, I don't want to do this no more. And then later on, they grew up and was like, "Yo, Q gave handed us this for free." Yeah. Back then, like I didn't take advantage of it then. Imagine what I could have been now. But it's still all learning experiences. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just that people would just come up to me and just ask me general questions, or just um, come to me as uh, someone they could just confide in. Like like this guy after he he, he mentioned um, the loss of his mother. Another group, another guy in the group. Two months later, he told me he went through the same situation. Mm-hmm. Another one just came home from jail. What? This is the weirdest one. One guy just came to the park and he was like looking to rob somebody. Mm. And I like saw him roaming around, like looking at people's bags and whatnot. And I did what I usually do. What's going on, boss? Are you everything good? Working out? He was like, nah, I wasn't really gonna work out. So, nah, we about to start up. You wanna join in? And he had on jeans and looked like he just got off work and whatever. Didn't know this man Had his knife on the side mm-hmm. He was ready for whatever Yeah But he worked out with us And got a good Positive vibe from us And kept coming back And then he would come At certain dates He would come back On his own time And just work out But every time I saw him I was like Yo everything good? This man is a spoken word uh, he, he does spoken word And poetry right now mm. well, He's written two books Wow And he he credits That meeting To his whole Change of mindset But I was like, I was, I would I was shocked, and I was like, "You, you really, are you serious?" He was like, "Yeah, I was gonna rob somebody that day. Like, I need some money, and I was gonna rob somebody. I was gonna check people's bags. We're gonna do whatever it takes to get me that little twenty dollars or whatever I needed." She said, "But that day I starved, and came back the next day, and he actually asked a friend of mine if he knew if anybody was looking for work, and my friend was looking for somebody to help mm-hmm. him move, and he wound up getting two hundred dollars that day. It's crazy, but it's yeah, like um the the As far as the the kids go, like with Pushing Weight, when we first met, he was doing events at um, different schools. A lot in Bushwick, Bushwick High School, matter of fact. And he had different people come out and talk to the kids. He invited me out one time. He said, from that one time, he said, your energy was different. And the kids absorbed the information that you was giving them better. So I I became that person to come on tour with them and talk to the kids. Um, I wouldn't say that I made that much of an impact because I didn't see those kids again until, like, the following year. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of ten, it'd be, like, one or two kids that I remember from the last year at the next time we met them. But the people that I met at my actual park, I think, are the ones that I pretty much have um, the biggest impact just because they come to me for everything. Yeah. Yo, I'm in trouble with the law. You know a lawyer? Yeah. Like, I do. Come on, let me make a phone call right now. Yo, my, my, my. My cousin just got locked up. I need bail money. Come on, let's go talk. Because they had nowhere else to go, nobody else to talk to. So for me to be that person, for them to confide in, if I might not have the answers, at least I can make a connection. And that's the good thing about connecting with people because you're going to find somebody that knows something about every single thing mm-hmm. you could possibly think of. So I just used my network. If it, wasn't for me, if it wasn't me, it was somebody else that I was comfortable enough for them to be around and they can confide in. Damn, man it's just wow gyms real og right here
2: gems. uh one thing i was i was having a conversation with somebody the other day i forgot what it was but we were talking about um the world get the world is so small and it gets bigger the more places you go you know what i mean so it's like every everywhere you go you're bringing somebody into your tiny world and that's what makes it bigger and that's what this community is about like all the old things of, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Like, it, it takes a community to bring people together, you know? And I think that's, that's this huge part of it. Like, working out can bring people together, but it's better when it's other people there, when it's a community, when it's somebody you know that's going to be there that you can depend on. And that's how you build, you know? And that's, that's revolutionary, man, for real. Hell yeah, brother.
0: I hear a lot of lessons inside of, the stories that you shared so far Q do you have any things in particular that stick out to you that kind of help shape this this mindset that you came across like do you have a lesson in particular that you carry with you and you keep as a reminder to keep this work going forward like you do
3: not one in particular I I read a lot of um Paulo what's his name Paulo Paulo Coelho. Coelho yeah I read a lot of yeah, so, alchemy man, yeah. So so I I go about my life as a as a learning experience, you know. I don't really. I've never they'll like <laughs> these guys call me Master Cube and stuff like that. I never <laughs> take none of that serious. Like I really mean it. I never do. I don't think I'm a guru. You never hear me say Master Trainer or none of stuff like that because all of that stuff seems ridiculous to me. You know what? Well, I think I've like I've always been in a space where. I'm willing to learn anything, mm-hmm. you know, and open to learn new things. And and, and I'm learning to open up to different people. Right. My biggest issue is people because I say I'm an introvert. I love being in my own little corner. Love it. But I've realized how damaging that could be for me in the long run. So I'm learning to be more – that's why you see me in Roan events and eBoost events and all this other stuff. It's just me getting out of that box that I'm comfortable with. And being around things that I still love and seeing if I can make that same connection. And for the most part, it is. And it's working. And I just look forward to the bigger, more and more challenging and learning a lot more from it.
0: Yeah, man. Damn.
3: I mean, again,
0: these are just so many of the same things that I have to say, I see the duality in what you're saying the irony in the guy who's an introvert making this many impacts on so many different people's lives is something that is a special moment, you know, being able to, even though you say you can't point to one specific lesson, um, pulling from that alchemist and, and that Paulo Coelho idiom. Um, you know, this is the third time we've probably talked about this on this podcast. At least, um, if anybody's paying attention that hasn't read that book, you know, there's a reason why this has come across in some of the people who have this type of ideology and this type of mentality. This is There's a reason why this keeps coming back up. So I would say this ain't a plug for them, but you should probably go check them. Uh, Miles, make sure you mark this down. Make sure Apollo sends a check over here. Um, but I do really appreciate how you navigate the space. and And, you know, as my brother Kyle talked about giving people their flowers when you – have the opportunity to celebrate them My man, I want to look at you and say Yo Q, I appreciate every single thing you're doing I want to see you keep shining I want to see you keep pushing that frontier Even further forward And I really do want to say thank you For coming and enlightening us As to the totality of where you was coming through My man yeah, I appreciate it, man It's,
3: it's humbling for, to be here Like when you messaged me I was like, well, for real? You all want to listen to me <laughs> Yeah, man Because I know what you going it's I, Yeah, because I, I do listen to you guys I love what you guys are doing, man It's, it's, it's really good to see you guys on this platform and i promote it and i love it appreciate you having me here
0: hell yeah man it's the same exploration that you've already laid out to us you know and in that same idiom we always want to try to break that barrier like you did you know this is an extension out like we already knew each other we've seen each other in a bunch of different spaces how this whole thing came about was in that same exploration that you're going through hey man i see you over here let's break this let's break this barrier you know we could compete but why should we? There's probably a lot more to be benefited uh, to, to gain uh, if we work together, and if we work in the same direction. You know, if we tried to explore this in a little bit of different way, less combative, more collaborative, what could we do? What could we unlock and who could we change the outcomes for going forward? That's what this whole thing is about, man. So, again, it's just it was a, a long time coming, but I'm happy that it was here. You know,
1: Word up. I, got, I got to give you my personal thanks, because at the live show. You know, I we we popped up at a bunch of spots together. We had the mutual respect. You know, I rock with you. Da da da. da. But we never really got a chance to like do a thing or link up at a spot yet. And you coming to our live show, I was like, Yo, he came like for real. Like, I we really are doing things. Like, we really are impacting people who impact people. Like, if the right people rock with you, you know you're doing the right move. So for me personally, it was one of those like those reassuring things where you know, like. If someone like you would come to this, then you are on the right path of doing the right thing. And then hearing like the backstory of how you got to where you are now, it just makes me personally feel like a little more connected, but also that much more of a higher level of respect for like where you stand and where you are. And again, thank you. Like, like Tone said before, like on behalf of all of us. Thanks. Real talk.
0: Hell yeah, brother You know Q, I'm confident this night The last time we're going to hear you on these microphones Over here, nah. my brother And I'm also confident that as this whole armada As the man from the Navy inside here As this armada is spreading, Q <laughs> I'm
1: from the Coast Guard so We just have boats
0: Yeah, man we going to start We're going to start sending these ships out there You know We're trying to move this whole damn conglomerate, Q If you understand what I'm saying I, I, I can see a lot of joint ventures coming down the line, brother And I look forward to trying to explore those All for that. Hell yeah, man. But before we dip out, you know, we kind of like to arm the people with one little, I'd say, tidbit of information that they could probably use throughout the course of the day. Now, you hit us with a lot of stuff. You hit them with the whole goddamn arsenal up to this point. And if you wasn't paying attention, please go back, hit the rewind button, take some notes, all right? But I want to try to isolate one thing that people can do off the strength. If there was one thing, one little piece of information that you had to give to somebody to reinvest in themselves, kind of like how you did, to see the value in the long game instead of the short game, anything in that space, what would you tell them?
3: You, you have to be proud of, some, of something that you're doing. Um, and most people think that's their job. Mm. Um, but ask yourself, are you proud of your job? Does your does your job define you? Um, Is it something that you talk about all the time? Maybe you need to invest in that thing that you talk about all the time that you're very passionate about. That again might not be your job. It might be the thing that you should gravitate towards because if you think about it more than you think about the thing that's putting food on your table, Hmm. you need to pay attention to that because the universe gives you signs and you can't ignore them and you need to learn to 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 recognize them and it's a hard thing to do most people can't sit still for 5 minutes so learn to sit still for 5 minutes mm. and 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 listen from a from a deep internal place what you're really passionate about and it can be an uh the fact that you like to create things but explore that figure out if it can turn into something very specific or if it can be just guiding other people helping other people you you can be the, the 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 seed that sprouts for somebody else just sit there and figure it out because we spend a lot of time thinking that the thing that put food's on our food on our table is the only thing we need to pay attention to and 9 times out of 10 it definitely is not it's the thing that you're passionate about and you need to learn your passions and and figure out how to make them for you just to be happy word up all right so i don't even you, know what SP, that just came from right now because i man i know it myself
0: it came from a real spot <laughs> right inside boy came from the heart. i'm scared of those questions
3: because i'm like damn i'm on the
0: spot i don't know what to say but, but you gave them exactly what they needed to do so again break that back out when you are in places of turmoil make sure that you're able to sit down Pay attention to what you're actually going through inside the mind, right? Stop and listen to what you're doing, right? And stop and get appreciation for the process is what I'm hearing inside of that. And then outside of that, find something that is your source of pride, right? Find something that is going to be undeniably that thing that makes you go forward, something that you don't need anybody else to put that extra battery in your bag. Okay, I'm proud that I did X, Y, or Z i told you i understand it man you ain't got to edit your language i got it i get it homie <laughs> that's it on the. come on brother that's it on the bun right there that's off it. the strength big yes, homie <laughs> ew gosh y'all got anything else you want to throw in here i'm ready to go take on the day
2: no i got nothing man I, i'm i'm feeling inspired i'm feeling motivated i'm feeling blessed to receive this message today like i know this is a show that we record but like this is therapy for all of us real talk so thank you for coming you, in brother.
0: brother hell yeah Thank real so the real is always going to recognize the real one more time fellas let's make some noise for the homie Q clap it up for this Very big up. man
3: appreciate y'all having me
0: out again
1: that's uh, real clapping too that's, that's not real a track. we that's back real in clap. here
0: we back in here folks once again it's been another fantastic episode of Off The Strength I'm a trainer called Tony
1: you're a trainer Corey KR Jones
0: shout out to the homie Troy peace and much love to y'all until next time we'll see you soon